Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you Family Sanctuary, a show that inspires living the gospel message in word and deed within our families. And now, Family Sanctuary with host Peggy Hartshorn. Welcome to our program, Family Sanctuary, focusing on life-giving relationships and the family. I'm your host, Peggy Hartshorn, Chairman of Heartbeat International, that advances life-affirming pregnancy help around the world. Today we have a very important program on a topic that is all too familiar. Probably you know someone who has experienced or is experiencing infertility perhaps uh, multiple miscarriages, uh, inability to conceive, and um, perhaps has also been referred to the most common now treatment for infertility, so-called treatment, which is not really a treatment. We'll talk about that in our program, but IVF, in vitro fertilization. You probably are familiar with that. One in four couples now today, they say, suffers some type of infertility um, and is IVF, the best alternative. This is uh, what we're going to be talking about today. Is there a life-affirming alternative to IVF? We will be talking about that today, Um, as well as hearing a very personal story of the heartbreak of infertility, but how that journey can be resolved in a very life-affirming and positive way. So our guest with that powerful story today is Peg Wolak. And you may have welcome, Peg. <laughs> Thanks for having me. You're, you're welcome. And it's great to have you with us to tell your powerful story uh, and to talk about the life-affirming alternatives to in vitro fertilization. So Peg is a local attorney. Uh, she and her husband, Steve, have been married for 17 years. They're members of St. Tim's Parish. Peg often speaks in the community on, on pro-life, life-affirming issues. She's a full-time mom now and has a wonderful son, Jonathan, who's a age 12, uh, and goes to St. Timothy School. So, um, Peg, your infertility story, it, it was really heartbreaking, and yet it did have a beautiful ending. It sure did. <laughs> there was a life-affirming alternative, and now we see your, your very handsome son, Jonathan. I love seeing him grow up because I actually uh, was with you during you part were. of that journey personally when you were suffering through that infertility. So so tell us Peg um there there are life affirming alternatives to IVF. Um Peg's going to be talking about IVF a little bit as well as the life affirming alternatives. Uh we're going to talk about the the dignity of each and every child, of course, no matter what the circumstances are of that child's conception. And Peg's going to also be sharing not only the physical aspects of her journey through infertility, but also the spiritual aspects, which are very, very powerful. So we're eager to hear your story, Peg. Tell us more about IVF and 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 what are the, the better alternatives? Well, a lot of folks, you know, go the in vitro fertilization route because I think that might be what their doctors share with them. That I if think you're that's the struggling only thing. with infertility, you know, here's a way to try to conceive a child. And I can understand the desire of their heart to have a child. I really can. Uh, but when Steve and I realized that this was going to be something that we were facing, you know, we got married in 2001 and it took about a year and a half before we got pregnant and we were not using contraception or anything like that. I was 
36 when I got married, so I was a little behind the eight ball anyway. <laughs> uh, Which is very common yeah. in this day and age, that women are marrying later, mm-hmm. and so infertility naturally goes down somewhat in the woman's 30s. Uh, so already, many, many women today are facing the same thing in terms of their natural fertility. Right. So we weren't really doing much of anything other than trying to have children, you know, and when we conceived our first child, we went into the doctor's office for an ultrasound and it didn't even occur to me that there would be a problem because both my sisters have children and they've never had miscarriages or anything like that. And we went in and I couldn't wait to get that first ultrasound picture and there was no heartbeat. Mm. And I was working at Heartbeat International with you at the time mm-hmm. And I remembered calling into the office saying, I'm not coming back. I'm going home. Today. (laughs) Today. I'm going home for today. And um, it was just a shock. It it took us so long to get pregnant. And then it was just a shock that this child had already died. So I uh, called a friend of mine who'd been through a lot of miscarriages. And I was working with Dr. Michael Parker, who is a pro-life OBGYN. Um, he's now working up at the Cleveland Clinic, but he had been my doctor before I was even married. And she kind of told me what she had gone through with some miscarriages, so I would know what to expect. Your friend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I guess I would also say, you know, don't, I know it can be a personal thing, but I'm not shy about sharing my miscarriages because you never know when you're going to be able to help somebody else when they go through a similar experience. And I think she was very grateful that she could be there for me and, and help me through this. But the beauty of being with Dr. Parker was, you know, he was pro-life and, and said, if you want to miscarry at home, you can, it's okay. And we, that happened. And then we had another friend who had miscarried and she had a funeral for her baby. And I had been invited to that. So I just appreciate the witness of these women who came before me to see how they dealt with this grief. So I called her and she said, okay, here's who you call. (laughs) And a priest that I had just been newly ordained, Father Jonathan Wilson, who I've known for a long time. I used to babysit Father Jonathan. (laughs) I called him and we were up at Resurrection Cemetery and they had a funeral for us and we buried our child up there. So it was just a beautiful way to acknowledge the humanity of this little child, you know, and I had so much support from, from you and heartbeat. I can't, I mean, the night this happened, Peggy was at my house (laughs) and she said, we're going to find someone for you to talk to. And we talked to a nurse out in Washington state at a pregnancy center who said, go in, have another ultrasound, like in a week, you know, just confirm that there's really no heartbeat and so, you know, I had so much support around me. Because doctors, unfortunately, will almost pressure women into doing something about that right then and there. If there's no heartbeat, they'll often suggest right. a DNC. Mm-hmm. And I know cases, Peg, uh, heartbreaking cases, I'm sure you do, of women who have thought that was their only alternative. Okay, now, immediately after hearing that they don't have a heartbeat, that the baby has died in the womb. Immediately, they go into a DNC. And they don't have the remains of the child. They don't know that there are any other alternatives. 
uh, and and they're they're operating out of stress and uh, and grief and sadness at that point. So I think your story is very powerful that that you can when this happens, if this happens, um, you can. There are other again life affirming alternatives. You can have uh, a miscarriage at home with mm-hmm. help and support. Uh, you can bury the, the baby's remains. Um, you can go through a more natural process of grieving. Right. Um, and, and, and so that really was a healing experience for you. It was. And it just acknowledged the dignity and humanity of our child, that this sure. child mattered and yeah. counted. And the, the beauty of all this too, is Dr. Parker was actually familiar with something called the Creighton model of fertility, which is an alternative to IVF. And so we started to work with him on on charting and learning my cycle and learning what days might be fertile, what days might not be. Um, you know, throughout this process, we used different medications. We did exploratory surgery. Was I ovulating? I mean, there were so many things that he could do to get to the underlying cause. And I think with in vitro, you kind of jump over that. You you don't find out, well, what's really the physical reason? Because there could be just a physical reason why you're having trouble conceiving or why you're having trouble sustaining a pregnancy. So that was a really good experience for me. I had already been going to him. And so we learned the Creighton model of fertility and we charted and, you know. Explain a little bit what that means, Peg, for those who may not be familiar with it. So... Every woman's cycle is different. You know, we're unique individuals and you watch for certain signs during the month that you write down on a chart and you also write down when your menstrual cycle starts, you know, different things like that. I was able to tell that my luteal phase wasn't long enough. Like there are things that you are empowered to learn. So you're working with your doctor to say, you know, here's my unique situation. What's happening and, with and my fertility every month. Mm-hmm. Right. And how do we increase our chances of, you know, having a child and sustaining a pregnancy? So we began working with that, um, you know, and then we did get pregnant again, a second time. And the nice thing about that that I like to share is that there was kind of a spiritual journey as well. And I remember being at church at St. Agatha and they were having the anointing of the sick. And just this thought popped in my head, go up for infertility. I thought, okay. So I did. Mm -hmm. Well, do you know, I conceived the second time like that weekend, you know, so (laughs) the Holy Spirit was working. And, um, so we again went in with Dr. Parker for early ultrasounds. He, he wanted to kind of see how things were going. What I loved about my experience with him was he didn't wait for three miscarriages. You know, sometimes you'll hear that, that they'll wait for three miscarriages before they try to figure out what's wrong. Um, he didn't wait for that. So we had a heartbeat and we went in a second time. We had another heartbeat, but because we were charting, because we knew when we conceived he knew that this child really wasn't growing the way he wanted to see. And he said, I'm not ready to tell you, you have a viable pregnancy. So we went in again, no heartbeat. Mm. (laughs) And that was on the feast of St. Thomas Aquinas. So our second child is named Thomas. Oh, (laughs) And went in a fourth time, right? Let's try this again. Let's just make sure. So, 
twice we didn't see a heartbeat. So this time I was prepared to go into a hospital and have a GNC because I just had reassurance that this child had really gone on to God. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we did. But Dr. Parker saved all the remains and we had to work with a funeral home and they went up and, and recovered the remains. And once again, we were at Resurrection Cemetery, another mass, another priest mm-hmm. helped us out. Mm-hmm. And um, and by the way, that was very unusual at that time, Peg. Uh, so that had to be, yeah. what, maybe 14 years ago? Yeah, 2005. Yeah. Yeah. When when I knew that, that this was happening with you mm-hmm. and your husband, Steve, and, and your your little unborn babies, mm-hmm. um, that was very, very unusual to, to, to be able to save the remains, to actually have a burial. It's not that unusual today. Um, right. Many, many more women know about that alternative, are choosing that alternative. We're going to be talking about some resources. In fact, let's mention some of those right now, Peg. I know we have a local organization now called Back in His Arms mm-hmm. Again, and I believe it's backinhisarmsagain.org. That helps with financial expenses for women who who want to have their babies buried and yeah. couples who want to have their babies buried but but don't have the money to do that. So now there's even help available for that. What are some of the other resources, Peg, that uh, we can share at this point? And we'll share them again uh, at the end of the program. What about the Creighton model? Well, that's um, www.creightonmodel.com. And it was developed at the... University of Creighton, I believe, C-R-E-I-G-H-T-O-N. Which is in Omaha. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think. <laughs> then there's the um, Pope Paul the Sixth Institute. That's PopePaulVI.com. And then there's also NaproTechnology.com, which I think the Creighton model is kind of part of NAPRO technology. Mm-hmm. I think that's a much wider kind of... Um, field mm-hmm. that helps women with their um, fertility awareness. And, and it's and natural help. procreative technology, NAPRO technology. And I think it's important to to mention here that uh, natural family planning, of course, can be used for planning your family, for spacing children, for, for the right reasons. Uh, and yet it can also be used for medical purposes. Exactly. When a person has an infertility issue. So it's not just about natural family planning. It is about medical care for women who have infertility or other, in fact, other issues relating to their their monthly cycles and their fertility. Uh, by the way, we also have um, a, a clinic right here in Columbus, a medical clinic that also uh, works with infertility and other feminine issues, feminine health issues uh, related to fertility. And that is the Fem Health Clinic, F-E-M-M, health.org, F-E-M-M, health.org. So right here in Columbus, we have uh, some some very good resources, and there are resources online, as Peg mentioned. So you're listening right now to our program, The Family Sanctuary. I'm your host, Peggy Hartshorn, and our guest today is Peg Woolock. She and her husband, Steve, and their son, Jonathan, are members of St. Timothy Parish, and uh, Peg and Steve have a beautiful story of how God worked in their lives through the issue of infertility and how 
using natural means and, and alternatives to in vitro fertilization, they were able to have their son, Jonathan, who's just such a tremendous blessing. So your journey, Peg, was one of a medical physical care, good physical health care, as well as a spiritual journey. It was. It was. And in fact, we kept working with Dr. Parker um, with the Creighton model. And I heard about this place in Florida, in St. Augustine, Florida. And it's um, there's a shrine there to Our Lady of La Leche. And women would go to her to pray for children. And I thought, well, we need to go there. So we made a little pilgrimage in April of 2006. Uh, before we went, I received the anointing of the sick again for infertility. And unbeknownst to me, we had conceived Jonathan. So Already? We had. Oh, when you were on your way to the shrine. Yes. So, <laughs> so we went down there. And uh, again, because of, you know, the charting and everything else, I, I suspected that I might be pregnant. But I was only two weeks along. And... So I prayed to Our Lady to help me sustain a pregnancy if I was pregnant or to help us become pregnant, have a child. And I promised her that if we had a child, I would bring him back. So we came home and we had been going through a regimen of HCG shots on certain days. This was something else Dr. Parker wanted to try. So I couldn't just take a regular pregnancy test because that's the hormone that a baby emits. So, HCG. HCG. Right. So any pregnancy test would have said I was pregnant, whether mm-hmm. I was or wasn't. So they had to do a blood test. So we came back from St. Augustine and um, did a blood draw and found out I was pregnant on the feast day of St. Mark. Hmm. And the reason I mentioned that is because Jonathan had his first Holy Communion on the feast day of St. Mark. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I'm like, I think that's your confirmation name. <laughs> anyway, so... That was very exciting. and But again, the whole Creighton model, NAPRO technology kind of came into play in terms of I knew that I had had issues with my progesterone in the first two pregnancies. And just to clarify, when a woman has a miscarriage, often the problem is not enough progesterone. Exactly. Right? And sadly, because the medical field... I'll say my opinion here, the the general medical field does not have the respect for human life that that they should. Mm -hmm. That should be part of their profession, whether they are Catholic or not. Uh, They will let allow women to have multiple miscarriages before they even start treating with progesterone. And that was just the amazing thing about Dr. Parker, because, you know, he was just part of the team. He was going to do what was needed. And I called and said, hey, can I get on progesterone. Would it hurt anything? And he said, no, let's do it. And then we got Jonathan. <laughs> so, so it was a very empowering thing. And I like to share our story because I, what I've seen with in vitro is that, you know, it's very expensive. I think it's hard on a woman's body when they hyperstimulate the yeah, ovaries. So let, let's talk a little bit right? about how in vitro works. So, so in vitro means what, Peg? Translate that. In vitro. Well, you. I'm sorry me. about that, <laughs> but but I think it means in a petri dish, basically. It it does. Yeah, yeah. They the child's are created in a petri dish, right? The yeah. egg and the sperm are taken from the husband and the wife, or sometimes now from from donors. Right. Uh, someone outside of the husband and wife relationship will donate eggs or donate sperm, and they are fertilized in a Petri dish. 
outside of the womb in vitro. I think it means in glass. I think it means oh, that. Uh, but um, so so what happens not only uh, you mentioned harvesting the eggs. Sometimes women are in fact, most of the time they're given massive doses of uh, fertility drugs to stimulate their ovaries. This can be very, very difficult. I've, I've known women who have gone through this process, and you probably have too. Yeah. You know, the, the hormone swings that they go through, sometimes just they feel horrible at certain times of the month as they're going through this to harvest a, a massive dose uh, or, or a massive quantity of eggs. Right. Um, because our normal process is to release one egg a month, a month. right? Mm-hmm. So multiple eggs are put into the Petri dish and, of course, the sperm. And when conception takes place, often several eggs are fertilized. Right. So what happens then? Well, then they determine how many to implant, you know, with the hope that one will take or one or two will take. And I think that is what makes this very difficult. Because these these small embryos, these small human beings, I mean, some of them don't get implanted. You know, what happens to those? Or if too many take, then a couple might be faced with a decision about do we selectively reduce, which basically means do we abort right. one and of these children? And very seldom do they tell you the whole picture. Right. Or do people understand difficult. the whole picture? Right. That in this process... Often there are embryos that are conceived that are either left to die or frozen. Mm -hmm. And there are millions and millions of frozen embryos now in the world that we don't know what we're going to do with these frozen little human beings. Um, I believe there was a law in Britain requiring that most of them be destroyed a few years ago. But they're, they're, they're having more and more, of course, all the time. Uh, Then, as you mentioned, Peg, if, if many of them uh, actually implant in in the uterus, then often, in fact, almost always, I don't know of any cases where this hasn't happened, doctors will urge the couple to reduce the number of embryos to basically select some to be mm-hmm. aborted so that uh, they don't have more than, let's say, two babies uh, growing inside the uterus at the same time. Uh, for supposed health reasons for the mother. So it, it is fraught with all kinds of issues, uh, health issues for, for the women who are donating the eggs, um, obviously uh, re- fetal reduction, which is really abortion right. for the embryos that are deselected uh, after the woman becomes pregnant. So there are all kinds of issues and, and, um, and the emotional impact on women Sure. Uh, not not only going through these and and men too go th- going through these treatments, but then being urged to deselect certain embryos, right? It's, especially when they wanted to give life, right? Absolutely. I mean, that's why they're going that direction. Yeah, and I so I like to share our story simply because I think there is a better way, and the Creighton model has proven to be more effective. So why wouldn't I use something that's going to give me better chances, better odds? It's not going to cost me thousands of dollars and it's not going to be as hard on my body and we're not going to have to, you know, make some of those really tough decisions. That's so. a good point, Peg. You said it's even more effective and mm-hmm. uh, I'd have to look up the statistics specifically, but I think that 
there's a very small percentage of couples who go through the IVF process who actually become pregnant and have children. Uh, A very high number of failures for this expensive process. And in fact, going the natural way is much more effective. Right. Well, I think when I read, you know, some of this information way back when, when we were going through this journey, you know, the Creighton model is like 66% effective at achieving a pregnancy. Maybe it's better now, but it makes sense because they're trying to get to the underlying cause. You know, is something going on hormonally? Mm -hmm. You know, are are you ovulating? You know, what is going on that we can address? Let's kind of work with the system that God's created. Right. Work with God's plan. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Let's, Peg, we've just got a couple more minutes. Let's give again some of the resources for people who may be listening and and want to consult some websites, uh, want to get some help. What would you recommend? Well, locally, a couple that we haven't talked about um, are fertilitycare.org. That's to help you find a practitioner if you did want to learn more about Creighton Model or if you're facing infertility. That's a good one, Um, fertilitycare.org. There's also an entity called Freedom Fertility Care Services. I don't have their website, but I'm sure if you Google Freedom Fertility Care Services, they're here in Columbus. I think they're in Westerville. So they can assist you. Uh, There's also another physician that advertises on AM820, Dr. Anthony Casey. And I think, I don't know if he works with infertile couples, but he does teach natural family planning. He teaches the Creighton method. Mm -hmm. I believe so. So there, it's just good information to have, Mm -hmm. whether you need to space children perhaps, or if you are suffering through infertility or know somebody who's suffering through infertility. And I would like to just mention real quickly, if I may, um, to be sensitive to somebody's struggle with infertility, don't tell them it's just stress. <laughs> right. There's <laughs> there might so really much more complex. Be an underlying so reason why right. they're going through this. Sure. And, you know, our story had a very happy ending. Last year, I took Jonathan back to St. Augustine. To and it shrine. was Father's Day. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. And it was the anniversary of our first date. Oh, Isn't that yay beautiful? God. <laughs> Yay, well, God. Thank you so much, Peg, for sharing that beautiful story, uh, how the natural process and God's plan work together. And our guest was Peggy Wallach and her husband, Steve, of course, married 17 years from St. Tim's Parish and their beautiful story of how God worked in the case of their infertility. You're listening to The Family Sanctuary. I'm your host, Peggy Hartshorn, and we're on stgabrielradio.com, our program broadcast at 4 o'clock every Saturday and 2 o'clock on Sundays. So please join us again to strengthen our families and make them sanctuaries of life as God intended. Family Sanctuary is a production of listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio, AM 820. Archives of Family Sanctuary with Peggy Hartshorn are available at stgabrielradio.com. Then he